All right, welcome to another episode of Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And uh, we are here to uh, talk to you about Ember News and other things. Uh, and uh, we are broadcasting from uh, Hash Rocket HQ out here in sunny Jacksonville Beach. Um, and we got some really cool stuff to talk about today. Yeah, that's a ton of news in uh, Ember right now with uh, 2.9 beta. Everybody's updating and uh, they're seeing a ton of uh, you know benefits from Glimmer 2. Uh, mostly, or at least the things that we're seeing mostly on Twitter are uh, size reduction. So uh, there's like a few tweets we had where people went from like 1.6 megs to 600 kilobytes. Um, you know, 1.33 to 953 kilobytes. So, it, I mean, it, it really, I guess, depends on your app um, because even large apps, small apps, we're seeing something from like 30% to 60% reduction in size. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Oh, yeah, and then the other thing uh, I wanted to mention about uh, Glimmer 2.9 to follow up from last week's episode is that we mentioned uh, from the blog post, uh, citing from the blog post, that there is a, uh, you know, upcoming uh, feature uh, that is being unlocked by the ren- the new rendering engine, and that is increment incremental rendering, which um, we mistakenly uh, reported was uh, like hot reloading. Um, Miguel Madero uh, actually kind of called us out on this and said that uh, he is going to try to make sure that uh, hot reloading actually works all the way back to one thirteen. Um, so that's pretty cool. I think he's working with Torn B on that, and that is some super awesome stuff. Uh, but it is not the incremental uh, rendering stuff that we mentioned. That is actually more about uh, rendering kind of uh, por- portions of the page or maybe rendering for a specific amount of time and then allowing the rest of the layout to paint, um, which would en- enable you to basically render above the fold content right away and then allow the rest of it to happen later. Or maybe render for a specific period of time, maybe say give it three seconds of rendering and then uh, to get some something on the page looking kind of kind of like what it needs to look like, and then allow the rest of the re- the render cycle to to do what it normally does. Yeah, that seems really cool. I mean, um, it seems that if they could, you know, if you can detect what part of the page is visible, you could use the same trick to get kind of a smoke and mirrors effect where you render only the content visible in like a div that's scrolled, you know, like midway down. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Like, uh, what's what's the term for that? It's uh, uh, a culling. Yeah, calling. There's another word for it. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Anyways, we'll have to talk to Chris Thoburn about that uh, to get cl- clarification on that term. Um, but yeah, I, so I just wanted to go and, and make sure that that was clear. But yeah, we're seeing uh, you know a lot of people like like Chase was saying. We're seeing a lot of people redu- uh, report a reduction in file size, dramatic reductions in file size. Um, I want to say uh, one of them was uh, Blint Erdy, and he took the Rock and Roll Ember app and brought it down by about half, which was really interesting. Uh, so that's pretty cool, uh, and uh, I'm I'm kind of eager. I'm eagerly awaiting uh, you know some of the benchmarks that people are going to start putting in place uh, for other metrics outside of just file size. File size is a relatively straightforward metric, so it's uh, it's one that people are tweeting a lot. But uh, it's it's massive reduction, so it's definitely a very very good thing. Yeah. So uh, so if you're uh, if you're incorporating the 2.9 beta, uh, tweet at us with your success stories or horror stories or whatever, and let us know uh, how the transition's been for you in your app. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm really looking forward to some of those reports. It's really neat. Yeah, definitely. So the next thing we want to talk about is a blog post by Ryan Toronto. Uh, he posted this to Ember Map, which is a, a service that he and um, Sam Selikoffer are putting together for some training material stuff. But the blog post is uh, is a really great uh, introduction to a few strategies and how to optimize, uh, like some basically some patterns, some best practices uh, for you to use inside of your Ember app. 
And, uh, and I found a lot of them to be really cool. There was also some really great illustrations, uh, that I, I really enjoyed. Um, and you know, going through it, it's, these are things that, uh, I think that as you, as you work in Ember, you kind of come up across, uh, but these were enumerated very well, uh, in very, uh, understandable terms. So, uh, any level, uh, will stand to benefit from, uh, reading this blog post. Uh, and a couple of the things that I thought were really interesting. Uh, the first, um, was that. Uh, he mentions that, uh, you know, you should really start thinking about your domain objects uh, kind of first, like outside of the context of of the UI itself, uh, it, because the UIs are often the most complex representation of the data itself. So really, like, con you know, construct good, uh, good, uh, a good object hierarchy um, and like really think about your data before you start designing UI around it, because you'll often find that the complexity is really, you know, there and then you you kind of push it up into these these objects but if you think about the objects first you can end up with much clearer abstractions so i thought that was a really interesting insight uh, that i really enjoyed yeah and there's a couple other tips um that i liked about uh how, how services are supposed to be uh, dealt with and like in regards to like components um which i which was really cool because we we've always always discussed like should components live in or should services live in components at all um, or, you know, if you're really doing like data down actions up, um, shouldn't the services all be like the topmost thing. And then now you're like, and I see this a lot in react where you're, you're just passing things like through component, through component, through component, just so it exists down in like the lowest level component. So you never know. And he covered, he says this in the blog post, you never know whether the thing you're passing in is actually needed by that component or by the component it renders. Um, and so he was basically saying like, you use the, you use the service in the component that's kind of like pull the object out, like maybe it's current user. Um, and passes it into the maybe like render user card component. Um, whereas you could just have like a render current user card that just uses the service itself, but then it's not explicit as where it's getting that that user. Well, um, not, a, not a template invocation because it's still explicit because you have to inject it inside the component body. Yeah. So, I mean, you still get some benefit, right? I think it's a it's a decent compromise between those two approaches, right? No, yeah, that's what I'm saying is that on either extreme... Um, it seems like it's equally bad. Like if you had just the lowest level component, just always just uses a service or you know, everything is global data basically in a, in a, you know, at least a dependency injected service, uh, or you have the other extreme where everything is at the top level and you're having to like pass things down. You know, the real solution is the, is the middle. And, um, it's really about like, uh, he actually goes into, uh, um, there was a Sandy Metz quote he used about, you know, um, using the object that changes the least. So in the case of posts and comments, um, you yeah, it changes changes less than than you change, right? Yeah, and and potentially, yeah. especially with comments, totally. uh, he he mentions that uh, you probably are going to need something off the post at some point um, when you're rendering the comments. So you can't. I mean, you could just make a you know general comments uh, list, um, but it's probably better to have a post comments list component mm -hmm. because you might have uh, other things you need off the post. Like you're saying, like you might hide the comments um, if they're older than a certain time after the post was created or something. Right. Yeah, totally. That makes absolute sense. Um, yeah. And, and this, there's a whole bunch of, uh, of really nice, uh, concise, uh, you know, representations of, of a lot of like hard fought on like knowledge, you know, um, one of the things that, uh, I've found in, in, I've been working with rails before Ember. Uh, so, um, so I've been in the framework world for quite some time. And when you're in a framework that has strong conventions over, uh, configuration, uh, you you end up realizing at some point you'll realize that when to use what thing is basically dictated by how painful it is. So if it's difficult, it's probably that you're fighting the framework in some way. 
Um, and I, I think that, that that really definitely carries over into Ember in the Ember space. And he has this nice quote that says, if, uh, you know, Ember tries to nudge you in the right direction. And if you're doing something that, that's really painful, there's a chance there's a better way to do it. Um, and that's kind of like when to pick, you know, whether to use a service or when they're to pass or uh, pass the, 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 the things you need through the components or, you know, when, whether you need to do all these different uh, strategies. And it's really just like, you kind of have to uh, cultivate a feeling for like, when, when I feel like this is too hard, uh, I need to really step back and really reevaluate my options. Yeah. Sounds legit. Seems, seems legit. I agree. I agree. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, check out this blog post. It's really great. Like I said, I really like the illustrations. Um, it's, it's well-written. I really like the stuff that Ryan Toronto does. Um, so yeah, check it out and, uh, yeah. And leave some comments and stuff. All right. So this is, uh, probably going to be like the third or fourth week in a row. We've mentioned Gavin Joyce, but, uh, we figured to go ahead and do it because apparently we missed that, uh, he had done a deep dive with Yehuda on Glimmer 2, uh, in July 25th. And uh, I, I just saw it recently because he, he just tweeted it again, um, uh, kind of because it related to this talk he was giving in Dublin. And uh, it was awesome. So I, I watched all of it uh, just a few minutes ago. And um, it is the deepest I've seen as to like how Glimmer works under the hood. I've, I've seen the opcodes, but I didn't really, uh, nobody really explained them, uh, you know, because I've, I've seen Yehuda and, you know, uh, Godfrey talk about this. Uh, but they're usually at a conference where they kind of have to like gloss over some of the, the underlying, you know, things. Um, and the very first thing they cover is the wire format, um, which is basically the thing that gets passed, um, from the server to the browser. Um, and it's really just this big JSON file, but it's represented when you see it in the, uh, the interface that they use to kind of like debug this stuff, it's represented in more like a, uh, almost like the opcodes, like line by line. Um, uh, but really it's a big JSON object. Um, and this was cool. Uh, he was referring to this as an IR, an intermediate representation, um, which, you know, if you've used, uh, you know, like Java has something similar, C Sharp has something similar. Um, there's there's some uh, code that gets compiled down into uh, something more simple um, to be just in time compiled later. Um, and so that seems like what they're, what they're generating. Um, a very cool thing about this that I, I didn't really think about was that uh, it's more efficient than passing a template function because a template function has to be evaled on the client side, whereas this is just JSON. So you just parse it out. There's not much that JSON can do other than become a data structure. So that was, that's actually a, you know, a performance win that I didn't even think about. So that was pretty cool. Uh, and then the, uh, the next thing was the uh, opcodes, um, which is actually two types of opcodes. Um, there's, um, I think you referred to them as appending opcodes and then updating opcodes. Um, and so that was pretty cool that the, basically each template uh, can generate a set of opcodes of thing, how, a way to append uh, to you know put new elements in the page, and then they also get another section. It's like when you update, here's how you update, uh, which is kind of how uh, HTML bars had and Glimmer uh, one had a uh, you know they were actually two functions, two template functions. One was the one that inserted, and one was the one that you know for the initial render, and one was the one that updated. So, um, but this is a much more uh, simplified like virtual machine that's running these. Um, so they're, they're a little more complicated. And by the time you get into opcodes, everything's very procedural. They're just like VM instructions. So, um, unless you've done some assembly, you, you, you know, might have some trouble understanding them, but, uh, it's a, there's a lot of, uh, cool optimizations they were able to make with that. So, uh, uh definitely a good talk. Um, there's a, a lot more work to be done in, in Glimmer. Uh, the, the last part of this talk, they go into things that could happen, like kind of extension points for other people. Um, uh, or work that they want to do in the future. And one of the things they mentioned was that 
There are hooks inside of Glimmer 2 where you can bake in your own uh, other frameworks to like maybe give immutable data a place in Ember. Um, so you can actually write your own what they call, I think, validators and something else. I don't know. There, there's there's some hooks that you can tie into so that Ember itself will understand uh, a, a type is immutable. Or you can bake in things like Redux. Um, and we'll link this in the show notes. There's an exact time because this video is like an hour and 30 minutes long. Uh, I'll link, uh, you know, where exactly you can go to to listen to this if you're interested. Uh, just real quick, uh, most of this uh, stuff was uh, was actually recapped uh, by uh, Gavin at his Ember.js Dublin uh, meetup talk. Um, I don't think that was recorded. If anybody knows if it was, uh, send us a link because I definitely like to watch it. Um, but there's also some some uh, slides that he did for this um, that kind of help explain. They're, they're, they kind of visualize help you visualize the things from the uh, Glimmer 2 deep dive. So definitely use those as kind of a companion guide to the talk and you know give you a little bit more information so uh really good content by gavin i hope hope, we'll probably talk about it next week again (laughs) yeah once once i get a chance to like fully grok what the heck was going on yeah definitely i mean it's a a really really complicated um now is a really good time to learn some things about glimmer 2 because um you know the changes are coming uh it'll help you know what to look for um if you're trying to see whether glimmer 2 is working in your app or, or what it's what the benefits are it definitely knows helps to like have some idea of like what the benefits are supposed to be and where the problem areas are going to be. Um, and that way you can kind of stress your site out and in the right ways to get a bug to crop up or, you know, kind of know what performance metrics matter. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I'd be, I'd be interested to see how, how these performance things pan out as the, as Glimmer becomes more mature too. So. Yeah, I mean, because this is like around the time, you know, when Glimmer 1 was released where people were like, oh, yeah, you know, look how fast, you know, these decide is. And people were like, yeah, my, my initial render went down, though. Like, and and that was kind of something that, um, you know, cropped up right during, I think, the beta of Glimmer 1. So this is about the time that we're going to start seeing, hopefully, you know, people really stressing it out and, you know, get these problems resolved. But, but it, I mean, this is the second iteration. I mean, really kind of the third after they started the whole idea of, um, they, they mentioned this in the talk that HTML bars was the first time where, uh, the templating engine started actually knowing what the DOM was and not just being a string concatenator. Um, so really, Glimmer 2 is like, you know, the third iteration of like the movement away from that. Um, and so they've had a lot of time to, you know, fix a lot of the bugs. They know where a lot of the problem areas are going to be. But, um, you know, sure sure enough, there, there's going to be some problems. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I'm I'm really excited to see. Uh, th- I mean, it seems it seems like uh, like there's a lot of uh, a lot of runway to go uh, with with this new rendering engine. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely. I'm really excited to see where it goes. All right, and thanks for uh, sticking with us to the end. Uh, I'm Jonathan Jackson, and I'm Chase McCarthy. And uh, if you like, uh, if you like what you heard here, and you'd like to uh, to follow along uh, for the future episodes, uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at Ember Weekend, all one word, or uh, you could uh, tune in to our RSS feed at emberweekend.com/feed.xml. And uh, we will be back next week. Yep. See you next week.